Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. Now perhaps you've heard the phrase, some people are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. Uh, Johnny Cash, he even wrote a song based on this phrase. Come heed me, my brothers, come heed one and all. Don't brag about standing or you'll surely fall. You're shining your light and shine it you should. But you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. And uh, I definitely understand the sentiment that's behind the, that, this saying in that song, right? Um, Christians maybe shouldn't be so focused on going to heaven when they die that they neglect the poor or the lost, the people that are in darkness in their midst. Um, and maybe to paraphrase Jesus, we could say, don't hide your light, let your light shine so that others may see it and glorify God. But on another level, I really have to disagree um, with this saying. If one truly sets your minds on the things that are above, this is what the Apostle Paul calls us to do, then you will be orienting yourself. You'll be orienting yourself to Jesus and his kingdom, his ways. This is the Jesus who came to serve, not to be served. And he gave his life as a ransom, as a ransom for many. So I, I do think that in this way, we need to be heavenly minded. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. This is from Mere Christianity. He says, if you read history, you will find that Christians who did the most for the present world were the ones who thought the most of the next. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the giant Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, they all left their mark on the earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. So today, I want to call us to seek the things that are above. I want to call us to set our minds on Christ and by doing so to be the salt and light that we are called to be. Let's, let's go to the book of Colossians. We're going to read from Colossians 3, 1 through 4 this morning. It reads, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So Paul begins with a proclamation, if then, or maybe some translations say since, but since you've been raised with Christ. And I think before we move, we need to move on, we need to stop and we need to dig into this idea that we've been raised up with Christ. Everything kind of flows out of this truth. We've been raised up with God himself, for Jesus is the second person of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Logos, the Word of God that spoke creation into existence. 
Uh, earlier in Colossians, this is a verse we've read many times, Colossians 1, 15 through 20, um, this makes this clear. He is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. We can stop there, but that, that, that passage of Scripture there, there's so much there that speaks to who Jesus is. And in verse 19, it says, For in him all the fullness of God, it was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And so it's through this reconciliation, this peace that was bought by Jesus, that we've been raised up with Christ. Colossians 2.13 also says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive with him, having forgiven all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. So we've been made alive with Jesus. We were once dead, but all of our sins are now forgiven. We have a relationship with God, with our loving Father, who sent his Son to die on our behalf. I want to continue. There's so much scripture that talks about what it means to be made alive in Christ, to be raised up with Christ. So I'm just going to run through a couple here, and we're just kind of building up this idea that we've been raised up with Christ. Again in Colossians 1, 13 through 14, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So a Christian is someone who's under the reign of, who is under the authority of the true king. Sin, death, and darkness, they no longer rule over us. With the coming of the Messiah, it is now possible for humans to be reconciled, for us to be reconciled to God and to live a life for God and for others. We represent an age that is to come when Christ will appear and consummate his kingdom, bring it to fruition, to its end. Another uh, scripture that speaks on this is 2 Corinthians 5.17. This, this is a passage that I love. And here Paul, he makes an astounding statement. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the old self, and behold, the new has come. So Christians, if you've been saved, you are a new creation. This is an, an objective spiritual truth. This is something that's true at this very moment if you've been saved. If you have faith in Jesus, then you've been made new by the Spirit of the living God. We've been made alive to God, and our old self has died. We've died to the forces of this world, the evil forces of this world that once held such a powerful sway over us. We were once marked by things like sexual immorality, impurity, evil desires, and covetousness. But no more. Those things no longer define who we are. We're not defined by our sins or our fallen nature. 
We've been crucified with our Lord. We've been crucified with Jesus. And we've been raised up with him symbolically in our baptism. If you are a Christian, you now share in the very life of God. You share in the life of God. And one more scripture to look at that speaks to this. Romans 6. Romans 6, 4 says, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We've been raised up that we might walk in newness of life. So we've died to our old selves. We see that again. And we've been called to a new life, a life that glorifies God and that testifies to the power of the gospel, of the good news, to change lives. So if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. Paul is calling us to line up our thoughts, our desires, our dreams, our actions with Christ and his kingdom, not with the evil spiritual powers that still have some sway in our world. Right now, we, kind of, we live in a, an in-between time is maybe one way to say it. Um, in between age, a time where we've been saved spiritually, we've been justified, and we're, but we're still growing in holiness, right? We're growing in, uh, it's maybe called sanctification. We're growing in being more like Jesus. And we look forward to a time where we will be physically resurrected, we'll be made, um, have given physical bodies like Jesus has after our death. And we're looking forward to the coming of God's perfect reign in a new heavens and a new earth. But until Christ returns, or until Christ returns, Satan and the powers of darkness, they still have sway over this world, especially in the lives of non-believers. 2 Corinthians 4.4 goes as far as to call Satan the Lord of this world or the God of this world. Um, so this doesn't take away from God's sovereignty or his control or from Christ's victory on the cross. We know that God allows this for the time being. But we also know that one day, as was prophesied in the, all the way in the back of the book of Genesis, that Jesus will crush the head of the snake, crush it completely, crush Satan. So we know at this moment the powers of darkness are still at work in our world, and that we who were once under the control of these powers, we were once under their control before we knew Jesus. But Colossians 2.15 tells us that Jesus, he has disarmed the powers and authorities of this world, and he has triumphed over them by the cross. So Christians, we had an old master, but now we have a new master, one who has put to shame the worldly powers. Those who are in Christ, those who are saved, those who have true faith in Jesus, we no longer need to heed the call, listen to our old master, sin. Instead, we need to look to Jesus, who sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven, and we follow where he would lead us. So in this in-between time that we're living in right now, Christians, we are called, we are supposed to be, a light set on a hill. We are bearing witness to a broken and hurting world about the realities. We're bearing witness about who God is, 
about the gospel and the new creation that is yet to come. Those of us who have been raised up with Christ, uh, we've been raised up spiritually, and we are called to live a life that emulates Jesus. We are called to be holy as God is holy and to be set apart in how we live our lives and our conduct and our beliefs from the world. Now, this is not something um, that we do by our own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, the Spirit of Jesus that empowers all believers. Um, and we know we have the Holy Spirit living within us. We've been called to a new life. But does this mean that we never sin, that we never mess up? Um, and I don't know about you, but I can attest that I am a, a perfect example that we do continue to sin. I think the very fact that Paul is writing to the Colossian church and calling them to put on their new self, to live in light of the reality that they've been made new, is it testifies to the fact that there's no perfect Christian this side of eternity. But it does speak to the fact that we now have the power to resist sin in our lives. Sanctification, which you could define as growing in holiness um, or being more like Jesus, it is a process. And each day we are being renewed. Um, and God's mercies are new every day. We know that. We must continually seek the face of the Lord in prayer and in his word. Now, there's an, there's an image that was shared with me by a pastor, and I want to share it with you, because sometimes it can be hard to understand this concept of we were, we're dead to sin and alive in Christ. And so this is, take it for what it's worth, but this has been helpful for me. Imagine that you are a prisoner in a dirty, dark, dank old cell, and um, sin personified is your jailer who keeps you in that prison. And while you're in this cell, uh, sin walks by, has like a nightstick or a baton, and he bangs it on the, the bars of your cell and makes a sound, whatever it would make, right? And um, this is the reality that we once lived in. But a great thing happens, right? You've been made new. You've been set free from the power of sin by Jesus Christ, and you are released from that prison. You are no longer a slave to sin. You don't live in that place anymore. You are under the control of a new master. But sometimes, off in the distance, you hear that sound of the baton, the nightstick hitting cell bars, and it calls you back um, to old habits with there. But there's a key difference from before. You are no longer a slave, a prisoner to sin as you once were. You are free. You are in Christ and you don't need to heed the call of your old, terrible, wicked master. You've been made alive in Christ, and you have a new life. For you have died, says verse 3, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, so also will you appear with him in glory. These verses um, might sound a little esoteric, but this is something to rejoice and be comforted in. Our life is not our own. We were bought with the precious blood of Jesus, and we belong to him now. By the good decree of the Father, we were delivered from the powers of darkness. We're set free from sin, and we've been, by the Spirit, we can now follow after our Lord. 
Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Your destiny, when you are saved, is now tied up with Jesus. It is not tied up with anything else. And we know at his second coming, with the sound of a loud trumpet, we will be raised up with bodies incorruptible. Then the world will see us as we truly are in Christ. 1 John 3.2 is talking about a similar thing. It says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, when Jesus appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. So when he appears, we shall see Jesus, and we will be revealed to who we truly are. Actually, that verse that Greg read this morning from Romans 8 talks about creation longs for the unveiling of the sons of God. When Jesus comes and the resurrection happens and we see people as they truly are in their glorified state. Now, this, this is a day that we look forward to with anticipation. When the kingdom of God comes in its fullness and when God's plans are brought to their fulfillment, a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem, the new creation. There'll be no more crying, no more death, no more tears, for those things will pass away, and God will dwell with his people on his holy mountain. We do not know the day or the hour of that time, but as Greg talked about last week, we need to be prepared and living each day as if Jesus could return this day. We don't know the day or the hour, but we know with certainty that he will come. He is coming, and we need to be ready. And on that day, oh, what a day it'll be. What a glorious day. Uh, With the Apostle Paul, we can cry out Marantha, which just means, Oh, come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Now, it's... We have that hope, we have that eternal hope, but what about today when Jesus has not come yet? What, how do we live our lives right now? And I think we need to turn back to that phrase, to set your mind on the things above. Now maybe if you just heard this phrase um, on its own, it may conjure up an image of like a monk sitting on a mountaintop just contemplating his navel or whatever there. Or maybe you're thinking of... Uh, escapism or something like that from this material world, but really it could not be any further from the truth. As we read on in Colossians 3, we see that setting your mind on the things above is practical. We're being called um, to live a holy Christ life like like life with others. So those Colossians 3, um, starting at 5, talks about this. But those who are under the control of sin, they're characterized by sexual immorality, impurity, evil desires, covetousness, wrath, anger, malice, slander, obscene talk. And we too were once characterized by these things. But Paul calls us to put these earthly things to death to kill them. He uses strong language. It's not just like push them aside, but take these idols and kill them and put on our new identity in Christ. Our new lives should be characterized by kindness, by humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, and above all, by love, which binds everything together, the apostle says. We have died to the old self, to the old man, to the old woman, 
and we are now alive in Christ. So th- yeah, this is a, this can be a concept that can sometimes be hard to understand. And um, as I've grown in my understanding of this, uh, there's a phrase that I've heard people use and that I've used myself before um, that people sometimes will say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And like I said, I've used this phrase before myself, but I, it's something I avoid using now. I've kind of seen it foster an attitude within people where they feel they have no power to overcome sin or to grow in holiness. Um, And I definitely, I admire the humility of this statement. It's absolutely true that we are sinners saved by the grace of God alone. Um, But I, I take issue with the, I'm just a sinner. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation The old is gone. You are not just a sinner. And this, just to be frank with you guys, this is, I heard a preacher talk about this when I was probably in my early 20s, and this was a big turning point for me um, in my walk with Christ. I don't need to live in the old ways and my sins anymore. I've been given the Holy Spirit. I have the power to overcome sin and walk in newness of life. It's not something that's perfect, but we are a new creation in Christ. This is a present spiritual reality, and anyone who has been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and has the very Spirit of God living within them, this is true for you. So don't wallow in your sins. Don't live in self-pity. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Instead, Put those earthly desires, those sins, put them to death. Kill them. And this is what Paul calls us to do. Put them to death. And like I've already said, there's no perfect Christian. We are going to continue to sin. We'll continue to mess up. But we know that Jesus is our advocate with the Father. And he's already paid the price for our sins. So we can go to him. He's a good and gracious father but we need to hear this we are not beholden we are not tied to sin like we once were we are no longer in that prison cell we have the freedom to follow our new master by the power of the holy spirit we can put on compassion kindness humility gentleness patience forgiveness and love so instead of losing our temper with our spouse which is something i've never done not even once. We can patiently talk things through. Anna's really laughing back there. But um, <laughs> instead of seeking our own gain in interactions, we can count others as more important than ourselves. We can give generously because we know it's better to give than to receive. We can forgive those who have wronged or hurt us in even terrible, horrible ways because we think of how we've been forgiven what we've been forgiven of by our God. And we can love sacrificially. We can lay down our lives for our families, for our friends and neighbors. We can follow Jesus' example. When we seek the things that are above and we put on the new self, our new identity in Christ, we are pointing forward to the coming reality of a new heavens and a new earth where there will be no more tears, no more crying. God will make all things new. 
And we are called to be, in one sense, ambassadors for Christ. We're called to be an outpost of this new creation, both individually and as a church body. When we gather on Sunday mornings, one of the things that we are doing is that we are witnessing to the people around us, to the people in this town, that Jesus is real. He's worth following. He's worth our very lives. And so when we're doing this, we are being a witness. And now we need to be witnesses individuals too. But what we're doing right now is important. It is not something to take lightly. So let's continue to be a witness, to worship our Lord, um, to proclaim his name. As Paul calls at the end of Colossians, I think 3.17, he says, um, let's continue to worship, continue to witness, build each other up by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to the Lord. So we started with that phrase, right? So heavenly-minded that you know earthly good. But how do we do the most earthly and, I think, more importantly, eternal good? We do, we seek the things that are above. We remember that we've been made new and we can now follow Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. We bear witness to God and the gospel and we are set free to follow him. The scriptures and church history is full of stories of men and women who did just that. They set their minds on Jesus and the world was changed Souls were won. The gospel was proclaimed. People were taken from a kingdom of darkness, from death to life. And I want to leave us just with one short uh, story and a poem from a Christian who did that. Um, I'm going to talk about St. Patrick. Uh, Patrick, we, we're all, if you're a believer, you, if you're in Christ, you're a saint. And with that, but sometimes the phrase is used to denote a special person, but we are all saints if you've been made new by Jesus. And there's a lot of legends, and there's modern drinking holidays, um, but Patrick was a real person in the 4th century AD, and he gave much of his life to convert the Druids in Ireland, a people who had um, imprisoned him and enslaved him for six years. When he was from like 16 to 22, he was a slave in Ireland. And he returned to Ireland later on in his life um, to convert the Druids and started just this process of Ireland becoming a Christian nation. And this, yeah, it's an amazing story. I recommend that you go and check it out. There's a number of different resources with there. But he has this poem that's probably honestly was not written by Patrick, but it's accredited to him. And I, I love just the ethos of it. This is just a part of it. it. says, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lay down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the every heart of the man who thinks of me, Christ in, in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me, Christ be all around me. Let's stand and pray. Lord God, we, we want to set our mind, our hearts, our desires on you, Lord God. May we seek first your kingdom above all things, and everything else will be added to us, Lord God.
We know that you're so good, that you're so gracious, that you came to us when we were dead in our sins, when we were dead in our trespasses, when we were far from you, and you came, and we were your enemies, and you saved us, Lord God. So thank you for your grace, for your mercy that you've poured out on us. And thank you that we are no longer slaves to the old ways, to sin. We don't have to live that way anymore, but that we've been called into a relationship with you. We've been given a new heart. You took away a heart of stone and gave us a heart of flesh, Lord God. So may you be glorified by our lives and may the world glorify you when they see your light shining through us, Lord God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.